Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Welcome to your mid-September rundown. It is September 15th. The last rundown we did, Maddie and I were just figuring out was September 1st. So this is our second September rundown. And I am coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. I am back in the country of Canada for the first time in a very long time. And man, does it feel good. And Maddie, last time that we talked, you were at your cottage just outside Ottawa. Sort of. Yeah. It's like two two and a half hours from Ottawa. It's sort of just outside nothing. It's just outside Algonquin Park. Lovely. That's a frame of reference I can understand. Well, it is nice to see you in your uh, house in Hamilton. It is so nice to be talking to you from my apartment in Toronto. How are you, Maddie? I am doing well. Back to some very preliminary training. I've done one kind of workout. Uh, I'm going to do my second kind of workout today and slowly getting back into, you know, what will be routine volume for the fall. But honestly, it's taken a while to get my brain back there. So we're just, it's just a slow burn right now. We're having fun. And then I've kind of told Coach Terry, I'll tell him when I'm ready for it to get difficult. And that is not quite yet. Nice. So that's, that's where I'm at. And Kate, tell the people how it feels to be home after five months. Yeah, it feels great. So I was gone for four months before the Olympics. I was home for, I think we counted it and it was 13 days after Tokyo. And then I've been back on the road since, and I got home 48 hours ago from New York. Uh, and yeah, it feels awesome. I had a really good time in New York. We'll talk about that in a minute. I ran the fifth Avenue mile. It was my only competition since Tokyo because all I've been doing is pacing, running around the world, literally pacing a bunch of diamond leagues, which was also a total trip and just so fun. But it does feel really good to be home. Um, I got home on Monday and I have not run since then. So I'm, 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 I'm day three now. Didn't run Monday, didn't run Tuesday. I'm not going to run today. Um, and it feels a little weird to not be going out for runs, but it also feels really good right now. <laughs> oh, it's so needed. So needed. so needed. I didn't run for three weeks. Uh, after week two, I was like, maybe. And I was like, nah. Um, so you said you've just gotten back into some training. How is your body feeling? Oh, there's some little aches and pains, but nothing serious. I think your first few weeks back to training, you always feel you're most injured. Um, somehow, like starting again, your body just kind of freaks out a little bit all over the place. Right. But nothing ever lasts more than a day, which tells me that it is just my body having, you know, like a, a mild temper tantrum. Yeah. Because I didn't exercise for three weeks and I am exercising again. Adjustments but, are being made. Exactly. I, you know, this might be a fun opportunity for us to ask our audience. I think if you are someone who does things in somewhat of a season, so probably anyone who's a marathoner, obviously you you do your build for your marathon and then you have a little bit of downtime after, or if you run trails and you take a break at the end of your trail season, or if you're a track runner, let us know 
how your like off season looks. Let us know if you, do you run? Do you do other forms of exercise? Do you get like treatment done? Or do you just really enjoy sitting around and eating pizza or doing whatever else makes you feel good? I'm curious to hear from our audience how they treat their downtime. Cause I think I I'm, I'm open to suggestions <laughs> about how to learn about this. So send us a message, um, right into Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Shago podcast. Let us know how you deal with your downtime. Um, because I think this will be another question that will come up in a few months time, Maddie, because every marathon in the world is taking place over the next 12 weeks. So I know people are probably right in the heart of that. So if you're training for that, if you're looking forward to it, that's great. But let us know how you deal with your off season. Cause again, I could use some tips. There are a bunch of people who just finished their season. The tr- world of track and field for the year of 2021 has officially come to a close. And the first piece of news that we are going to cover are the results from that Zurich Diamond League, which was the final Diamond League of the year. Ton of money on the line and a ton of great performances. We had Andre DeGrasse and Marco Ayrot both racing there. Andre was second in the 100 and the 200, matched his PB in the 100. This guy's just had such an incredibly exciting year. And it was really, really, really fun to watch him uh, continue performing so well from start to finish. 100%. And also in Marco's case, to come back from not the Olympics he hoped for to refocus and execute the second half of that season. Because you'll notice that so many people who had a successful Olympics really struggled to hang on to that momentum. And in fact, lots of them just cut it short. So for Marco to do what he did shows immense poise. Absolutely. We talked about this in our last rundown, but he's more than proven himself since that. that I think disappointing performance of not making the Olympic final. And, you know, I've talked with him a lot on the circuit. Again, we're going to have him on the podcast later this week, but I've talked about this a lot with him and he's just said, you know what, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't go back and change that race, but I can continue showing up and and doing the performances that I know I'm capable of. And he's done that just time and time again, so consistently this year in this post-Olympic season, super fun to watch. And he's still so young. I mean, this guy could have at least two more Olympic Games if he wants them. And, you know, we could see him on the podium at both. So really great that he's had that experience. So a couple days after Zurich, there was what I would say was the final big track and field meet of the season in Zagreb, Croatia. And Francine Niansaba, who again has had an unbelievable season this year, especially a great post-Olympic season, broke the world record in the 2000 meter, which is a really odd and not heavily contested event, but she ran so fast. The old record was 27 years old. The legendary Sonia O'Sullivan ran 525 in 1994, and it has not been broken since. Now, the world indoor record is actually faster. It is held by Gonzebe de Baba, and she ran, I believe, 523. But in Zagreb, Croatia, over the weekend, Francine Niansaba ran 521. That's 240 per kilometer back-to-back, Maddie. She went through the mile in 417 and kept going for another lap. That's wildly impressive. Isn't it? And she did a lot of this work by herself. Um, I've actually had a chance to get to know Francine really well on the circuit this year because most of the races that I was pacing, she was you know, one of the top contenders. And in fact, after I paced her at Zurich... 
on that really weird 563 meter downtown uh, track that they built in the middle of the city where she won the women's 5,000 meter final. She came up to me and said, come to Zagreb, pace me in the 2000. And I said, I'm going to Fifth Ave, otherwise I'd love to. Anyway, I knew she was going after this record. She nailed it. It's been really great to see Francine's success this year. Well, and especially after the goalpost that's continually moved for her of where she is allowed to compete and what she is allowed to compete in. Absolutely. So big kudos for the ability to pivot and pivot extremely well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have to remember this woman was an 800 meter specialist five years ago. Yeah. And she's dealing with massive amounts of public scrutiny. Yeah. Like the ability to compartmentalize that while like completely changing your event, how you train, what you train for is very impressive. And then again, we should just mention that DQ that she experienced in the 5,000 at the Olympics in the, in the heats, um, which was also kind of questionable anyway. Yep. Super resilient, an amazing, amazing follow on Instagram. Highly recommend giving her a follow. Another great follow, one of our favorites, Canadian Matt Hughes finished his season in Zagreb. He ran his special specialty event, the steeplechase. And we talked about Matt a lot this year. He's been going after his own Canadian record that is now eight years old. He's been trying to get it for years and he's come heartbreakingly close over and over again. He didn't have the race that he wanted, I don't think. He ran 828, which is quite far off of that record, but I think this guy's tired. He's been running so well and traveling for so long. And he said he just didn't have the legs in Zagreb. But big kudos to my teammate, Matt Hughes, for a really incredible season. Moving on to the road, two more women's world records have fallen. And man, do I love how often over the past few years we've said, and another women's world record. They're like hotcakes like it's it's they, they fall all the time in all events and it really is thrilling and I think shows you just in women's running we are just looking at the tip of the iceberg because we need to remember that in modern history women were discouraged from running long events because we might die so we are seeing um, we are reaping the rewards of investing in women's distance running absolutely Sinberry Teferi of Ethiopia shattered the 5K world record, clocking 14.29 during Adidas Road to Records event, which was put on to promote their brand new shoe. They sort of took a page from the Nike book there, and it obviously paid off. Her time broke the previous world record held by Jocelyn Jepkowski by three seconds, which was 14.32. She was the only this was a women's only race and she won by 25 seconds leading from start to finish. So kudos. Yeah. So again, this is not only a women's only world record. So we'll, we'll just remind our audience that there are events that are women's only events and they have a separate set of record books because of course, when you have a mixed sex race, it is sometimes easier for the women to be able to use the male athletes as pacers or just support on the course. So this not only broke the women's only world record, it also broke the women's world record, like in any event, <laughs> um, by a significant margin. So huge, huge run by Teferi, another athlete who said she came out of Tokyo disappointed with that sixth place finish and wanted to just put her, her stamp on the season um, and proved herself really well in this race. 
There is no asterisk next to this time. This is just world record, world record. That's it. Agnes Tirop also broke the women's only world record in the 10K, running 30.01. The old record had stood for 19 years, but oh, you never want to see an 01. I know. No one ever wants to see an 01. You also never want to see an 00. Um, But 01 is kind of just as bad as 00. But either way, I'm sure she is thrilled with her world record. I just know that the competitor in her would always look at that and go, why not? Why not 29? Right. Well, she'll get it. She'll get it next time. She's 25 years old. This record has stood for almost as long as she has been alive. Um, And there's a lot of running left in this woman. So kudos, Agnes Tierop. In sort of scandalous road news, the Vienna Marathon winner was disqualified for using non-compliant shoes. He ran in the Adidas Zero Prime X, which is thicker than 40 millimeters, which is the upper stack height limit for racing. So several companies have come out with training shoes that you cannot race in. The idea is that, you know, more cushion for training means faster recovery So you train in it to recover better, but you race in something a little more minimal to comply with the World Athletics rules. However, this runner lost his shoes on his trip over to the race, borrowed someone else's shoes, didn't realize that they were the non-compliant pair, got disqualified. Thankfully, it wasn't like a personal best run. Um, because if it was PB and he got DQ'd, that would have been terrible. But, you know, after 42.2 kilometers of running, you never want to be told, uh, that two hours, nine minutes of your life didn't matter. So an unfortunate day for Derrera Harissa of Ethiopia. However, he's run faster before in his life. He'll do it again. And this time with his own footwear. This is such an interesting story to me because Maddie, I'm sure you experienced this being on the circuit this year too. And I know that track and road are a little different, but for every major race I've been in this year, they literally physically check your shoes in the call room before you go out onto the start line. And part of the reason they're doing this is because there has been just this, like, as you said earlier, like moving goalpost throughout the last couple of years about what's acceptable and what's legal from a technology perspective. So I know that in a road race, it's probably a little different. You have more athletes, but I'm sort of shocked that an event like Vienna wouldn't at least with their elite athletes do that like last minute shoe check, because that's exactly why they do it. Cause it could have avoided this whole issue. hundred percent. And like, I feel like at the Olympics, they like took a magnifying glass to my spikes. <laughs> like they yeah. were checked, they were checked by Athletics Canada. They were checked at check-in and they were checked again before you got on the track. Like there was three checkpoints from two different governing bodies to make sure that your footwear was compliant. Right. These major marathons are just as high stakes as the Olympics for road athletes. Absolutely. So I, I you can't even say it's like a higher stakes event anyway. Um, I do find that strange. But if you are someone looking to run a marathon, make sure you're wearing compliant shoes because Nikes, Adidas, and a few other companies sell trainers that are not compliant. Right. Might make you feel really fast in training. Aren't necessarily going to give you the outcome that you want. Moving back over to North America, the illustrious Fifth Avenue Mile took place on Sunday and I got to compete in it for the first time in my career, which was uh, just a really, really thrilling experience for me. It's been on my calendar in the past and whether it's because of injury or other things that have come up, I've never actually raced it. So this was my first time and it was a total blast. Uh, there were three Canadians, including myself, uh, Charles Philibert Thibodeau, 
and Julianne Staley were the other two Canadians who competed. And, you know, you hear a lot about Fifth Ave. Anyone who's not done a road mile, I highly recommend it. It's completely different from anything I've ever done on the track. Um, I know that 5K is considered a sprint for some folks. A mile probably sounds way too fast, but it's a lot of fun. And it goes by really quickly. It's over way faster than a track mile, in my opinion, or a 1500. But it's still got that like really fun, energizing feeling of a road race. It was lined the whole way down with spectators. And what was cool is that before we race, the elites were the last the last waves to go. There were waves for like five hours before us of all of the other seated non-elite athletes. So we got to like, while we were warming up, we were cheering people on. We were, you know, people were running personal bests and just like all that really cool excitement that you get from a normal road race. Um, and it was also my first road race back since the pandemic, like as a spectator, as a participant, it felt normal. And that was so fun too. And you got to be in New York city and I got to be in New York city and it was beautiful. One of the best freaking cities in the whole wide world. It was pretty cool. And you were there cool. just before the Met Gala, the day before the Met Gala. And Maddie, the start of the Fifth Avenue mile is in front of the Met. So <gasps> I was watching the setup. I mean, it was such a distraction. I'm, I'm trying to get ready for this big race and I'm seeing literal red carpets being rolled out. And I'm starting to think about like, oh my gosh, who's going to be there? Obviously, I did not attend the Met Gala, sadly. Maybe maybe another year. But did you, did you see a celeb? I didn't, but... I, well, yes, I did, but I don't know who it was. So at the finish line of Fifth Ave, so again, Fifth Ave is a point to point. Fifth Ave starts at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It runs down to 59th Street, which is kind of the south end of Central Park. And all along there, like by Columbus Circle, you know, it's not far from Carnegie Hall. There are some really high end hotels. And this is where you do a lot of celebrity spotting. If you are into that kind of thing, Maddie, I feel like you would have probably sought out every celebrity in New York City. I did not do that. However, after my race, um, I had a little medical issue um, where I ended up in medical for quite a while. Everything's fine. But then I was also selected for doping control. The point is I was like an hour and a half from the time I finished the race until the time I actually started walking back to my hotel. In that time, the finish line had been taken down. Fifth Avenue looked like a normal road again. But I'm walking along 59th, along the bottom of the park, and I'm not, I, hundreds, hundreds of people, 300, 400, maybe 500 people are standing on both sides of the street outside of one of these really high end hotels. And there is security, and there are limos, and there's paparazzi. And I'm asking everyone, who are we looking for? And I never got an answer, but it must have been a really big celebrity because there were like scores of people standing around waiting to hopefully get their little camera shot of, of whoever was emerging from this this limo. So that was a big buildup for really not a very exciting story. I did not see any actual celebrities um, that I can tell you who they were, but apparently there were, you know, it was it was a who's who around Central Park on Sunday. Would have been teeming with them. Because, you know, and they got to keep it, they, you know, they, they want to exercise, I'm sure, because they want to, you know, look their absolute very best at the Metropolitan Gala. Right. So th there are probably, you are probably running among the, the, the biggest names of the world. I probably was and I didn't even know it. There you go. It's okay. You know what? Kate, you're a celebrity in our eyes. And oh, uh, you had your own stuff to focus on because 
Is that a road like is that a road PB? You ran oh, yeah. is that a is that an outright mile PB? Kate ran amazing. 423 for fourth place. Kate, so so good. And you have had like a long haul season. So to close it on a high note is so impressive. So congratulations, my friend. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you. I was thrilled with the outcome. Uh it was like I said, super fun. It was about the the best I thought I could have placed and the time I was also very happy with. So yeah, a lot of fun all around. But Maddie, speaking of the Met, we're going to jump around a little bit here because, oh my goodness, there were some track celebrities that turned up to this event this year. And did they ever represent our sport well? And I know that you just want to spill all the tea. So tell me what you thought of, let's start with Queen Allison Felix and her incomparable gown. Allison Felix. Okay. I think Kim Kardashian had the most widely recognized outfit of the event. Allison, dare I say, was second. Like, and like, this is not just me saying this, like, this is Vogue, you know? Right. Sort of like premier fashion outlets are saying, like, oh my gosh, Allison Felix stole the show. And she did. She looked incredible. She wore 240,000 ostrich feathers and crystal beads on her dress. She was representing Athleta, her athletic sponsor, which donated. $50,000 to the power of she fund. Yeah. And she just, she had this blue eyeliner. She just, she looked amazing. And her, her brother is her agent. And he just kept like Instagramming or tweeting photos of her. And the caption just said, we understood the assignment. <laughs> like that's, that's all he was saying. And I was like, you don't need to say anymore. Like, look at her. <laughs> like, no kidding. You understood the assignment. Like she looked incredible. Anyway, Allison was joined by Shakari Richardson and Noah Lyles. And fun fact about Shakari's stable is that it was purchased by Lewis Hamilton, British Formula One driver, so that black athletes and black designers had more representation at the Met Ball. So just very cool all around. Actually, one more fun fact about Shakari. She has a Drake lyric now, so that's a nice little <laughs> Canadian Shakari tie-in, is that Shakari is Literally a Drake lyric. So uh, honestly, great week for her. Also, I just got to say, if you want to look up, I mean, all of these outfits are incredible. We'll include some photos in the write-up. But on the topic of Lewis Hamilton, take a look at Lewis Hamilton's Met Gala outfit because it is also incredible. On Canadian soil, we saw two races. One was an in-person Yorkville 5K. Super exciting. Brittany Moran won the women's race in a small personal best of 1646. On the East Coast, well, actually, technically all over Canada, as it was a virtual championships, the Moncton 5K Canadian champs took place, and Luke Bruchet ran really well. And that guy's been mountain biking for a month. Like, he has not really been running, and I know that because I was mountain biking with him and he was running some but not that much but obviously has some impressive residual fitness because he won the race in 1349 a very impressive way to end or begin his season i'm not sure which and on the women's side leslie sexton won in 1537 uh she was followed closely by julianne stalley and brianna scott who also ran in the high 15s so well done to all of our performers at that moncton 5k championships Moving on to the trails. 
Around this time last year, Maddie, you'll remember that I had John Pockler on the podcast because he had just broken the Bruce Trail FKT. Well, a year later, Karen Holland has smashed the FKT on that course, running eight days, 22 hours, and 51 minutes. This means that she broke both the men's and the women's FKTs. And we again, we see this on the trails a lot. I got to say, I just love it every time we see a woman set an outright FKT on any of these amazing multi-day adventure runs. Yeah, major, major kudos to Karen Holland. That is a massive effort and just goes to show you in ultra endurance events, it is truly any man, woman or person's race because it seems like the longer, the longer you set out to go, the more and more competitive women become. Absolutely. And especially in Karen's case, I mean, it sounds like she didn't even necessarily go out with the explicit goal of setting the FKT. Canadian Running spoke with her after this event, and she talked about just, you know, wanting to add more multi-day adventure and 100-miler races to her resume. And she really just set out with the goal of finding out how much she could push her body and mind. And like John did a year ago, she also wanted to raise awareness for the Bruce Trail and the Bruce Trail Fund. So uh, it's pretty cool that there's um, sort of these multi-layered elements to these adventure runs, because I think a lot of it has taken on a different sort of like environmental lens over the last few years, especially. What's coming up? Um, yeah, cross-country running starts for Canadian University athletes next weekend. That's right. At the uh, Western Invitational, the almost every year, that's the inaugural Canadian race. So super exciting to see these athletes back in action after a long hiatus. And I know that they are pumped to be there as well. So that's kind of the next thing on the docket. And then just like every marathon in the world. Right. Which is going to be really fun. I am going to the Boston Marathon. My dad is racing there this year. Uh, I've never been in person for the marathon, so I'm really excited to go. I will try to get some interviews while I'm there and do some coverage for the pod. Um, But again, let us know if you're preparing for um, a fall marathon and you're really excited. Let us know what's getting you most excited. And also, if you have any of those off-season tips, let me know because I am all ears. In the meantime, for your two weeks in review, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll talk with you again soon. Oh, 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 oh,